Welcome to Deviant Women! This is the podcast where we talk about women from history, mythology, literature, and, of course, contemporaneity. Contemporaneity! My name is Alicia. And I'm Lauren. And we are here with you this time round with a very exciting lady. Exciting. So exciting. She's wonderful. She's a bit of an axe wielding oh shit maniac really but axe wielding maniac axe wielding maniac i am here for this <laughs> but she's an axe wielding maniac in the best way because look no one gets hurt okay <laughs> i was thinking i'm like what is the best way to be an axe wielding maniac <laughs> The best way is when you don't actually murder anybody. Not in an Annie Wilkes no. way. No, no. Because as fascinating as those people are, I much prefer it when people don't murder people. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. Think, I think that's a preferable way to live our lives. It's, look, yes. <laughs> I think if we were all to take a poll, we would agree murder is bad. Yeah, that's right. But axe wielding is fun. Is Yeah. It's yes. fun. And also because... Uh, Look, for the last couple of episodes, we've we probably haven't been as fun. It has I been a more somber state of affairs. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, okay, so we're talking today about a woman called Carrie a Nation. By Carrie the way, Carrie a fucking Nation. It's a great name, and of course, you know, her life was full of ups and downs. It wasn't all well, just it is when axe you, building lols. When you're carrying a whole nation, <laughs> it is. Is her name self-given? Because when you think of a person named Carrie a Nation, I think of two things. I think a uh, maybe a little bit of an ego, very self-important, the type of person who's on a mission, mm-hmm. right? And they're on a very important mission. So important, they're going to rename themselves. And say it with a really kind of strange accent. Yes. Very important very mission. Very important mission. <laughs> Option two, door number two, um, super religious parents. Not so much the super religious parents, but super religion. Yeah. Yes. And number one, Carrie a mission. A mission. Carrie is her legitimate name, right? Mm-hmm. She was born Carrie Amelia Moore, right? Carrie Amelia Moore. So the Carrie was there. The A in Amelia was there. Yes. But she doesn't have the nation yet. So and we'll see where that comes in. Is it the Carrie, the name uh, a la Pig's Blood Carrie, Stephen King? <laughs> or is it Carrie the verb to haul shit? If you look in a dictionary for the word Carrie... As a verb, the definition you'll find is to hold you. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so she was born Carrie uh, with a C-A-R-R-I-E. Ah, Pig's Blood Carrie. Pig's Blood Carrie. But her father apparently entered her name in the family Bible as C-A-R-R-Y. Uh-huh. And this is important because, all right, so she was a pious Christian. We'll just put that out there. Yeah. yeah. I think that's already abundantly clear. <laughs> We've already established that. And... Of course, you know, when you enter somebody's name in the family Bible... It's it's Bible. It's it becomes law. Is that 
a saying? It becomes Bible? Is no. that a saying? That <laughs> That's I... not a saying. What is the saying that I want? It becomes law? Scripture? Scripture! That is a saying! That's a saying. It becomes Bible is not a saying. <laughs> no, but I knew that it was a synonym. <laughs> so, in the Bible, C-A-R-R-Y. And so, where was Carrie Moore born? In Kentucky, mm. on the 25th of November, 1846. Excellent. Before the Chicken Empire... Um, took. She had very little to do with the chicken empire. Put Kentucky on the map. However, at quite a young age, her family moved to Missouri. And on the trip to Missouri, she caught a cold. Oh. <laughs> now, oh, this is going to be one of those Victorian, like, oh, you caught an innocuous cold and now you're dead. Yeah, it pretty well, yeah, she didn't die, but pretty much. I only laugh because it doesn't sound that no. terribly exciting. She caught a cold. But also, catching a cold, like, okay, so we've got the advent of modern medicine that helps us in a lot of ways. But when I catch a cold, I don't fucking do anything about it. I just <laughs> go to bed for a few days and then I'm better. Are you sure it was a cold? Well, look. It, was it not the flu or something a little bit more serious? As Look, as far as I can tell, the historical records tell me cold. Right. And I'm going with that. Shit. But it stuck around, right? So it turned into an ongoing illness that persisted for pretty much most of her childhood. So sickly. She was a sickly young girl. Us joins the ranks of classic Victorian sickly children. I don't think there were any healthy children, were there? No, any they were children? all sickly. They all were. So what this meant was that she, look, she was in and out of different girls' boarding schools throughout her life, but... Because she was so sickly, it prevented her from attending a lot of the time. So she was in and out of school. So I think that a lot of Victorian sickly children was just helicopter parenting of a different kind. Yeah. Like maybe it was all a ruse. Maybe she just didn't like school. So she could just go, oh, achoo, oh no, bed rest, you know. But in the time she wasn't in school, she was helping out. Because she's a helper, remember? She's, she's a, a helper. She's an axe-wielding helper. Mm-hmm. Because... In 1861. Ah, the Civil War broke out. The Civil War began. And Carrie's family were forced to sort of travel around um, on a wagon train uh, for, uh, to Texas. On a wagon? I was, you know what? I was going to ask if they traveled in a part of a wagon convoy. But then I was like, is that too much of a an American cliche to just assume that anyone who's leaving the New England states is doing so in a wagon convoy. <laughs> well, they weren't leaving the, the New England states, but they were doing it in a wagon. A wagon convoy. That's right. So they headed down to Texas, but um, they moved around a bit during the, during the Civil War and she attended school on and off during that time. But she also, as I said, axe-wielding helper. She wasn't wielding axes at this point. <laughs> um, but during this time, she also helped to nurse wounded soldiers. Mm-hmm. So she already had this pious will to help. Yep. Um, so when she wasn't sickly studying, this is what she was doing. But eventually, when the Civil War ended, her family ended up back in Missouri. And it was in Missouri, at the tender age of 21, that she met and married a man named Charles Gloyd. 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 Charles Gloyd. 
yeah. spectacular name. It is. And I don't, like, I wonder if it was actually just, like, a mistake in the ledger. <laughs> like, his name was actually he Lloyd. Smeared, the notary smeared the ink and it turned the L into a G. Yeah. And then it was just, like, Gloyd. forever known oh, as Lloyd. Yes. It's like, Lloyd. It's not Lloyd. It's Lloyd. <laughs> Sorry if your surname is Gloyd. There's probably some Gloyds listening in the there world. There are. It's, okay, look, it's a legitimate surname. Sorry, Gloyds. All fine. So she married Charles Gloyd. And he had been a doctor in the war. Oh. Not a fun job. Not a fun... No, there's so much amputation involved in a, being a Civil War doctor. Yeah. He saw oh, a lot you, of bad you stuff. Cut your finger. Get rid of it. Gangrene. Yeah. Bullet in the shoulder. Get rid of that whole left side of your body. Yeah. Gone. Pretty much. As one could imagine, what he saw led him to... The drink? The drink. Yeah, of course it did. It's not surprising. It's not surprising. Like... I would probably have been a drunk during the Civil War also. Because, I mean, in that time that he was not amputating, in that time he was not performing surgery. And stitching up people's insides, falling out of them. and All he could do was, like, sit around and think about... And, of course, you know, mental health was not a thing. Nobody was there to help him with that. No. So turning to alcohol as a means to deal with with what's happening around you is, well, you know... Understandable. A lot of... This is what happened to a lot... Of soldiers. Definitely. And rumour was that he... Well, this is rumour. This is not fact. But um, he was possibly actually discharged from the army for alcoholism. So, sadly, he was a drinker. He was also a Freemason. Carrie, later in life, she hated Freemasons. Did she She already hate them because of him? No. She actually saw them as quite... uh, Sort of complicit, I think, in Gloyd's Gloyd, Gloyd, <laughs> Gloyd. Uh, saw them as quite complicit in his demise. Yeah, I think. so she carried, carried, she carried oh Gloyd's no. demise. She carried this grudge against the Freemasons for the rest of her life, yeah. pretty much. But he was a drunk, and he was also a bit abusive oh. as well. So again. Not fun times. But the marriage didn't last very long at all. Now, actually, interestingly, her parents were against the marriage because they already sort of knew he was a drunk. Mm. But she went ahead and married him anyway. Um, And there must have been some attraction there. Yeah, well, if she doesn't like drunks and she doesn't like Freemasons, there had to be something. Well, I think that he was the reason she didn't like drunks. Oh! This is where it began. It began with him. I don't think she'd thought too much about the drink before... Gloyd happened. So it's actually really probably a great, like, okay, bad situation because she's married to an abusive drunk, but to have only been married to him for what, a year? Yeah, so they were married in 1867, and by the end of 1868, she'd already left him. See, I think that that's actually really shows that she is a person who knows her own mind. She's a person who knows what she wants and what she doesn't want to put up with. And that she is probably confident and strong enough to make the decision to leave him. And she left him only a few months before she gave birth <gasps> to his daughter. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. So she was pregnant when she left him. Wow. So I wonder, I wonder if that indicates that she was just like very headstrong or if he was just so, so awful that she knew she couldn't stay. Yeah, I think it was probably a mixture of both. Mm. Because I think, you know, it's 
the 1800s. Yeah, it's 1860s. You know, it's, exactly. Women so, don't just leave their husbands when they're pregnant. And she has to be strong enough to do that. Yeah. As she was. Hard. It's incredibly difficult to leave your husband while you're pregnant and in an abusive relationship today. And there are, well, under-supported and underfunded networks, but, you know... It's supposed to be a better system. There was nothing. Yeah. There was nothing back then. That's right. So she did it under her own steam. So it kind of does set up for us this idea of the kind of tenacity she had, I think. Yeah. You know, she's she's a very, very strong woman and she knows her mind and she knows what she she wants to do. Did she have family money or return to her family? Well, you know what she did? Gloyd died only like a couple of years later. Right? Mm. Um, from alcoholism. I was going to say. Yeah. And Carrie moved in with his mother. Obviously because, you know, she felt some kind of responsibility to mm-hmm. this woman. Yep. Her and her daughter, Charlene. 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 They all lived together. What happened was during this time, Carrie actually uh, went back to studying. So she hadn't finished her schooling what as a child. a right? modern woman. I know. So she studied to be a teacher and she got her qualification yep. and she went on to uh, start teaching. And for about the next four years, she worked as a primary school teacher, right? So such, yeah, such a strong woman to know her mind, to leave a, an, a, an abusive partner when she's pregnant, to take on her mother-in-law yeah. to help, to support her child and go to get to a, go back to school to get a profession yeah and then to work that's like, amazing it's pretty impressive in, stuff in the 1860s and 70s but then then in about 1874 she meets another chap now his name is david nation david nation so this is where the nation mm-hmm. comes in right so pretty handy that he's yeah. name is nation uh, because now she officially becomes Carrie Amelia, shortened to A, Carrie A, a Nation. Nation. <laughs> this is such a ridiculous name. It's such a great name, though, of course. And it's such a great name because of what she comes to do pretty soon. He was an attorney, a minister, um, and he actually also had his own daughter who was a few years older than Charlene. Her name was Lola. Lola. She was a showgirl? No, she (laughs) wasn't. Um, But David was also about 19 years older than her. Of course he was. So, but anyway, they got together. Strangely, they also didn't have a particularly great marriage. She she seemed to always just marry guys she didn't like that much. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they had quite a complicated marriage. And she actually, in later life, she did write an autobiography. Mm -hmm. Which I have to admit, I've read bits and pieces of. Okay. Right? It's a very long autobiography. <laughs> and um, I have not read it in Your its Your eyes in... were so wide when you said long. It's long. I haven't read it in its, it's entirety. Long. It's long. But in it, she does actually talk about how it was an unhappy... Not, it was a fairly unhappy marriage, but she talks about how she doesn't want to talk about him that much, actually. Um, how she'd rather kind of just gloss over him. Oh. But at the same time... She also discusses how she was actually, in the end, quite quite thankful that her marriage wasn't more loving mm. and more satisfying because it compelled her to do the work she had to do. And she often had felt like 
she was the kind of woman who wanted a nice home life, a nice mm-hmm. family life, but God purposely kept it from her so that she would do his work. Kept instead. sending her duds. Kept sending her duds. So she had to find fulfillment elsewhere. Correct. So Good job, she, God. Exactly. So she kind <laughs> of, in the end, she saw it as part of God's bigger yeah, plan for yeah. her. But they did, you know, try to give things a go. Uh, after a few years of marriage, they bought a cotton farm, despite not knowing anything at all about cotton farming. <laughs> um, and funnily enough, that was a fail. Oh, what? Yeah, that didn't work out. Yeah. So David decided he was going to return to being a lawyer. Probably better than being a cotton farmer. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. post-Civil War. They actually did try buying a plot of land again later on in life. It just Every time they tried that, it didn't work out. After the cotton business failed, she moved to Texas. And she moved to Texas in order to start a hotel business. Oh, sounds raunchy. Well, it wasn't. It oh. was just a straight up hotel. Oh. She was a pious Christian, Lauren. I know. She's but... not interested in the alcohol. She's not interested in the sexy times. Sometimes they make the best madams. No. Maybe they don't. I don't think they do. Entirely pulled out of my brain. Where are you getting that information from? From... The tip of my tongue. You've made that up. I did. Well, after uh, quite a few years of this, Carrie and David decided that they were going to leave Lola and Charlene behind with the first mother-in-law from the first marriage and that they were going to move to Kansas. Oh, Kansas. So the two of them chuffed off. Chuffed? Chuffed off to the land of Dorothy and tornadoes and witches. That's all I know about Kansas. That's, that's the only thing I know about Kansas. What I would like to know is why it's Kansas, but then it's Arkansas. That makes zero sense. As a, I, it took me such a long time to understand that Arkansas was pronounced Arkansas because I just read it as Arkansas but as a kid. Why is it not Arkansas? I don't know. The last part of that word's the same. Anyway. We're not American. We can't answer this question. Let's not get hung up on it. No person on this earth knows the answer to that. <laughs> None. None. If you if you know the answer to it, let us know. <laughs> um, so they moved to a place called Medicine Lodge in Kansas. Medicine Lodge? It's a place. Is that where you go to get medicine? No, nah, it's just a place. <laughs> don't know. Again, don't know why. <laughs> Medicine Lodge, Arkansas. Who knows? Who can answer these questions? Nobody. But um, Someone, this was somewhere. actually where they had, they briefly had a, another trier owning land, which <gasps> didn't work out. So anyway, then after trying again to own land, they moved back again to Medicine Lodge. Um, so, I mean, she moved around. Moving a lot. So much. This woman did not stay still. But by... So they, they did settle here for a good sort of nine years. They when were nice she going to pick up the axe? She's going to do it real soon. Okay. We are getting there. So by 1900, she had found a, a happy little niche for herself. By niche this... to our American <laughs> listeners. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> By this point, she was the co-president of the Barber County, which is Kansas, Women's Christian Temperance Union. Oh. Women's Christian Temperance Union. Yes. Women's Christian Temperance Union. Because prohibition was a thing. Kansas had prohibition from about 1881. Oh. Which is, I think it's... Probably the earliest state to have prohibition because a lot of other states didn't have prohibition until about like 1913. That is such a long time before. So yeah, they had prohibition for 
ages. What were you supposed to do in the 1800s in Kansas if you weren't allowed to drink? So, of course, you can imagine, I mean, the Women's Temperance Union, Prohibition, Mm. this is... It's the jam. This is Carrie's thing. Yeah. This is where she wants to be. So she's made her way to co-president of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. And in this role, she tried some fairly peaceful means um, to get county law officials to enforce laws on drinking because prohibition was in place. But it wasn't really enforced. Uh, That's what I was going to ask. I was like, so was she responsible for making prohibition a thing? Or is she just like, uh, so you're not supposed to be drinking and I'm going to be a hardcore bitch about coming down on you hard about it. Second one. Okay. Yeah. Because prohibition was in place. She didn't bring prohibition into Mm. place. It was already there. But she thought that, well, hey, this is part of the law, but it doesn't seem that anybody is really paying attention to the law. I mean, this is what Temperance Union was all about. Yeah. It was all about the fact that there was prohibition, but there were all of these joints (laughs) everywhere. You know, there were speakeasies, everyone... I mean, speakeasies kind well, of they, come a bit later in the thing. But it's the same, same idea, though, I, I guess. Yeah. Underground. Underground bars. Well, I guess this is probably why moonshine is a thing. Oh, definitely. Homemade alcohol. Yeah. And... No, nah, that's bad for you. Don't drink it. You go blind. Yes, don't do that. Of course, there were so many of these places that had cropped up. And most of them were located in basements of hotels and establishments. Um, and not in her hotel. Not in her hotel. No, definitely not. And wouldn't that be the greatest cover of them all? If she was a prohibitionist that yes, had that ran an underground speakeasy, I think a lot of them probably did that. Actually. Oh my god, that's a book. That is a book. That's a book. Do it. Copyright. <laughs> Don't Continue. know if that's gonna hold. <laughs> it is so interesting because most of these places, you know, there was some kind of sneaky exterior kind of. Entrance, tunnels, passageways, all of this sort of secrecy around these places. At the same time, these places were places where law officials would go to have a drink. Yeah, that's right. right. The people who were supposed to be enforcing the laws to stop these places from existing were just like, I need a fucking drink. Yeah. I need a fucking drink. All of this trying to enforce, all of these laws about drinking, makes me need a drink. (laughs) So I'm off duty... So I'm going to go to the bar and then when I put my badge on, I'm going to come back and give you a fine. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I was in a bar once that got closed down by the police because they were breaking what? curfew in, in, in Vietnam, in Hoi An. No, it wasn't in Hoi An. It was in Hanoi and all of the bars are supposed to shut. They have a curfew. I think the curfew was either midnight or 1am, but we'd heard about this secret bar that was open. Like a lot of the bars are open late in like this, the kind of beer corner, the party area. And they all have their roller shutters down, but like not quite down. And if you, you know, knock in the right way, oh. they open it up and, and we were in there having a good time, partying, drinking a lot. And then it got raided and my friend pulled me and we hid in the bathrooms. Did you really? Yeah, while well, it got raided. And then what happened? And I, yeah, that was about it. We came out of the bathrooms, everyone was gone, and we went back to the hostel. Ah, <laughs> oh, good times. Yeah, it was a good times. Good times. Sorry. Bye bye all. Look, I have had my taste of, <laughs> of Ill- uh, illegal, illicit, joints. underground bars. Never again. <laughs> The other, I think the other reason why the law enforcement often turned a bit of a blind eye was not because they also wanted a drink, but also because what they would do is they would actually make money out of fines. Yeah. So if you just find them, 
and then kind of just quietly let them go back to what they were doing. Yeah. You could just you find, can keep them find them again. And they're probably making so much more money having the income from the alcohol that they would just factor the fines into their life. Exactly. So it's kind of like this you help me, yeah. I'll help you yeah. kind of scenario. But Carrie was like, none of this bullshit. I see what you are doing. You are all giant hypocritical frauds, and I am coming. For you. Lauren. Is that correct? That's exactly what she said. Thank you. But not in those exact words. But other than that, exactly what she said. <laughs> so she tried a lot of peaceful means. First of all, she wrote letters that were never answered, of course. She led protest marches. They, The Women's Temperance Union served warrants to a drugstore that was selling beer and whiskey. They actually did uh, legally have some sellers of alcohol shut down in Medicine Lodge. They would often stand outside of places where they knew there were bars and they would sing hymns and oh, prayers. Try to guilt everybody out of drinking. Yep. Basically just try to shame everyone. <laughs> and, you know, say she she was known to say sort of like polite things to people in passing like, oh, good morning, destroyer of men's souls. Oh. <laughs> you know, just little jabs, just little subtle burns. Oh, my God. So... Um, she sounds like the the real deal fun police. Oh my god, such fun police. She gets, but she and I, she got off on the power. She got off on being the fun police, didn't she? She did, but she, okay, look, she's about to get so much fun police. Okay, like really fun in a fun way, fun police, axe wielding, axe wielding fun police. This is what we've come here for. It is because you know it didn't take her long to realize that. These peaceful means (laughs) of of hymn singing, shaming, subtle jabs, passive aggressive. Get her nowhere. She wanted to do more. And she realized as well that God wanted her to do more. Yes. God wants us all to do more. He named her Carrier Nation for a reason. He didn't let her marry a man named David Nation for nothing. Who turned out to be a bit of a loser. loser. So, one evening, as she went to bed, she had a bit of a pray to God. Yep. Had a bit of a pray. Bit, no. a bit of a pray. Uh, <laughs> just, a, just a bit of a pray. <laughs> and she asked God to guide her, to use her in a way that might suppress the evil spread of alcohol. Mm-hmm. All right, to use her, because she didn't know what else to do. By the morning, before she had even fully awoken... And we all know how reliable that space between being asleep and being awake is. <laughs> Before she was fully awake, she received her reply. Yes. You should always trust a reply that comes to you while you're half asleep. Yeah. She said that she heard the voice of God speak to her. He told her to go to Kiowa, which is a town near the border with Oklahoma, and that if she went to Kiowa, he would stand by her. Uh-huh. Now... That could really mean anything. <laughs> All right. That's not. Well, it means go to Kiowa. It means... I mean, I, I, like, <laughs> I think quite literally it's quite an explicit instruction, actually. It is. But what she does next <laughs> is not part of that okay. direction. So she's interpreted this very explicit <laughs> instruction, go to Kiowa. That, yeah. That could mean anything. <laughs> well, she well, it's the more it's the stand by her bit that she yeah. interprets rather generally, right? Because she follows the first bit, the first about going to Kiowa. Yeah, she does that. Now it's it's the reason for being in Kiowa <laughs> that she's been a bit creative because God's going to stand by her. Because God's going to stand by her. So what she's decided to do 
is not explicitly part of that instruction at all. Mm-hmm. Because she's turned up in Kiowa and she has a bunch of paper parcels with her. Yeah. They just look like any old plain innocuous paper parcels. Sure, like a, she's running an any day kind of an errand. She's been to the grocery store. She's going to post some stuff. But she's not. She's a tricky fucker. Ooh. In these paper parcels, it's, she has rocks. Rocks. Rocks and bottles she's wrapped in paper. She calls them smashes. Smashes! Yes. And with these smashes... She's going to smash some shit. She sure is. So she walks into a saloon. First saloon she, she finds. <laughs> she says to the barman, Look, I don't want to hurt you, so you should probably just get out of the way. <laughs> oh my god. She proceeds to take her smashes... And throw them at the bar. Oh my god. So she starts throwing them at the mirror behind the bar. Just smashing those bottles. Throwing them at all the bottles that are lined up all along the bar. She just starts throwing rocks everywhere. (laughs) Smashing shit up. Oh my god. And everyone's a bit like, what the (laughs) just happened? The fun now, police came to town. That's what happened. Now, the thing is, okay, so by this point of time, we've passed through a lot of her life, right? This is like 1900. Oh. So she's already in her 50s yeah. by now, right? And some newspapers at the time reported that she was six foot tall and, you know, quite an imposing figure. But um, people have disputed that and said that, you know, this was probably just said so that men didn't feel so bad for being scared of her. Uh, yeah. Um, to try to make her sound like she was, yeah. you know, much more of a sort of a physical threat than she yeah. really was, because people were actually were no just one wants of her. to admit that they're like terrified of a fifty-six whatever year old woman wielding rocks wrapped in paper. <laughs> exactly. So she smashes up this first bar, and everyone's a little bit like, "What, what the fuck, fuck just happened?" <laughs> and then when she's done there, she heads off. And she proceeds to go to two more saloons and do exactly the same Uh, thing. And no one stopped her? And no one stopped her, right? all in one. She just like on a a terrifying pub crawl. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. A fun pub crawl (laughs) of smashing. So. Well, I mean, you do get smashed smashed on pub crawls. So true. She's just doing the smashing this time. She's doing it literally. She smashes so much harder than any undergraduate university (laughs) student ever could. By now she's gone through uh, three saloons and trashed them completely. Yeah. She's heading off to, uh, you know, go to the next one because she's not done. She's going to keep going. (laughs) But word has started to spread. Pretty much every other bartender in town has closed up shop. Of course. Barricaded (laughs) the door. And is standing out the front with like a shotgun. Standing out the front with a shotgun, like barring the way. This is also during the Western times, though, right? Like the lawless. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The lawless. It's at the end of that kind of period. Of. But, you know, like cowboy times, right? Like it was actually genuinely a lawless time where people just went around, you know, holding shit up going to saloons with their guns and they're terrified of an old woman and with some rocks. <laughs> yes. And by this stage as well, she's drawn a bit of a crowd. So people know what's happening because all these people are standing around with shotguns, like trying to fight, <laughs> fend off this little lady. And um, there's chaos in the streets. The sheriff turned up and she dared him to arrest her. Oh, Because he couldn't and he didn't. Why couldn't he? Because... 
the bars were illegal. But she was still destroying property. Exactly. She was still being a public menace. She was probably still breaking a bunch of laws, despite the fact that, like, okay, so this goes into that whole question of, like, if you murder a, a burglar, are you still... You know, like just because they were Who's committing the right? a crime, Who's in the wrong? just because they were committing a crime, doesn't mean any crime crime commit. If you, I mean, if you're not acting in self defense. Well, this did come back to bite her in the ass, but not at this particular juncture. Because at this juncture, she was not arrested. The sheriff didn't have the guts to do it. But I guess it's also that um, murky gray area of the law where mm. it's like, well, really, I shouldn't. This just shows that I've been turning a blind eye to these bars thus far anyway. Yeah. At this point in time, she got off. Mm. So she's like, okay, great. In the words of the White Stripes, I'm going to Wichita. (laughs) Okay, great. Off she goes to Wichita. She goes to Wichita. And she heads straight to the most opulent bar in town, Ooh. which is in a place called the Carry Hotel. The Carry Hotel. Yeah, but only... is that where Stephen King wrote Carry? No, <laughs> there's only one R in that Aww. one as well, and it's and it's C A R E Y. But anyway, it's the building's still there. It's something completely. Oh, it's different more like Carry Hotel then. Yeah, more like Carry. But I like to say Carry because it ties it all up nicely. But it's clearly Carry. Whatever. Just such a axe wielding fun like killer. Carrie Elwes. Carrie. <laughs> anyway, so apparently she walked into the hotel singing songs and saying prayers before she utterly went to town, this time with an axe. With an axe! So Finally! She's upgraded to an axe. Finally! She Did w- God give her the axe? <laughs> I don't know where she found the axe. <laughs> Slide about. She destroyed the place. She went to town. But now she was arrested. Yeah. In Wichita, they don't stand for this kind of shit. No. Right? And she was arrested for destroying public, uh, private property. Just destruction of property. Yeah. And she was jailed. She was jailed for a month. Ooh. But she was front page news I'm not surprised. But now that she was in jail and front page news, she had a following of fans. Oh, other temperance ladies? People started to love her. And a lot of other... Well, they actually... Were they Prohibition fans or or were they Axe fans? I think they were Prohibition fans. Mm. The Women's Temperance Union very quickly distanced themselves. Yes, that's not surprising. (laughs) This woman does not not represent us. They distanced themselves from her methods. They were not so down with that. But she did garner a huge following of people that were down with her methods. Down with her violence. And they thought that, you know, they, I think Boo drinking, because drinking might make you a violent, unruly person. (laughs) Yay. Being a violent, unruly person. That smashes up drinking establishments. (laughs) Like drunk people do. Exactly. Let's get drunk and and smash up a bunch of... The only other people who smash up... Bars are really drunk people. So she was in jail here for 30 days, but she knew that this was basically just, or she thought this was basically just the incubator for the shit that was going to happen when she got out. Yeah. And she did, when she got out, on her release, she quite obviously went straight back to smashing. (laughs) This time she went back to smashing with the weapon that would become her sort of, her call sign weapon. Not the axe. Not the axe. No, no, no. Much more like 
Thor and his hammer. Oh. You know? But I thought that the axe was her hammer. No, no, no. This time she comes with a hatchet. Ah. Uh-huh. A, a hatchet. hatchet. So she's actually a hatchet wielding. The cousin of the axe. Close cousin. Yes. But this is the hatchet is important, right? This is because hatchets are smaller and easier to. I think they're easier wield. to sort of hide hide in your clothes on, as well on your person. Yeah, exactly. So this became her her signature weapon <laughs> of choice, and she went back to smashing things up straight Did away. Did she just walk around the streets like with a hatchet hidden in her blouse? I would say so. So yes. she could just like. Whip it out at a moment's notice and go to town on a saloon that I she think so. came across. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. It's pretty much the way things worked <laughs> for Carrie. She, when she came out, she first attacked um, the James Burns and the John Harrigs saloons. Those were her first points of call. Um, and then she went on to smash shit up in a few different places. Mm-hmm. She smashed some shit up in a place called Wamego. Great name. If Winnebago. You live, if you live in Wamego, shout out to you. Do you do you drive a Winnebago in Wamego? <laughs> don't think you're allowed to drive anything else. Um, <laughs> she went back, smashed some more shit up in Kiowa, Enterprise, Harper, Wichita, Topeka. She went around smashing crap. And she was jailed again and released again and jailed again and released again. In, on one day, she was jailed and released four times. <laughs> Oh my god! And she, after time two, like after time three, you think you're like, all right, maybe I'll just go home, have a cup of tea, no, put my feet up. But she was like, no, I have more <laughs> bars to smash. Pretty much, fans even sent her like hatchets and hammers as gifts in the mail. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> That's so wrong. She probably could have released her own branded hatchet. Fucking Lauren, it's so interesting you should say that. Oh no. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. I'm not fucking kidding you. Oh my god. Carrie Nation made her own souvenir hatchets to sell. Oh my god. She's an entrepreneurial She made her own merchandise. Oh my god. To sell. Genius. That's amazing. So good. So she carried on with her work. And um, the, the governor of Kansas, Governor William Stanley, implored her to stop. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she accused him of failing to do his job. She was like, well, if you don't enforce prohibition. Someone has to. You leave me no choice. If you won't do it, I'm going to. <laughs> so. She vowed to smash every saloon in Kansas. I love Now, um, okay, so this is a, a, a random aside. <laughs> a sort of a similar time. Oh, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> a similar time. She started publishing the Smashers Mail. The right? Smashers Mail. <laughs> no, get fucked, get out of town. She published a publication. So, A, her own... <laughs> Fucking branded hatchets yeah. that she's selling, and then she publishes yeah. the Smasher Mail. Yeah, she's so great. <laughs> um, but this is a weird one. Okay, this is a weird one, right? So she sets this up with the help of a man named Nick Charles, and he was um, he was an African American man who also ran another paper called the Plain Dealer. But he also 
owned bars. <laughs> okay. Now, she Carrie claimed that she didn't know about the bars that he ran. And she, I don't know, she just thought he was just like a law-abiding newspaper man. <laughs> um, and at one point she even, at one point she even contacted him and asked him if he could bail her out of jail, which he did. He did. He came and bailed her out of jail. And then... Then did she go so and smash strange. up his bar like, and then, by accident? Yes. And then she was like, when she found out, she was like, because he, he said to her, he was like, oh, I'm going to bail, bail you out, but you can't smash up any of my bars. And oh, my she God. Was, she was Hang like, on a minute. Excuse me. Yeah. And she was like, Excuse no. me. She's like, I can't promise you that. Mr. Charles. In fact, I promise I will smash up your bars. <laughs> I just, that's a strange flip. That that's I don't a weird. That's a weird one. Fully understand. Oh, but it was a short-lived mail, the Smashers mail. Didn't last for long because, of course, when she found out what uh, what else he did, uh, that severed the connection mm. fairly quickly. I wonder um, what kinds of articles they printed in the Smashers mail. I'm pretty sure you can get copy, like online copies of it. Oh you know? my god, it's, it exists. It's in an archive. It is actually it's in an archive. So, for anyone who's interested in learning more about this, uh, it's the Kansas Historical Society has a hell of a lot of information on Carrier Nation. Like, I think in Kansas, she's one of like the top ten, top ten most known Kansasians. Kansasians. <laughs> what do you call a person from Kansas? Uh, I don't know. Even though she was born in Kentucky, but she's the most famous for living in Kansas. But she's one of the most famous people from Kansas in general because wow. she's amazing. Um, more famous than Dorothy. More famous than Dorothy. Oh more real than Dorothy too. But yeah, so the Historical Society there have a lot of things in their archives. They've got like diaries and oh, papers. Wow. And yeah, so I think anyone who wants to steal this and go on and, you know, write a book about it. But there are, you know, she did write an autobiography. There's a lot of information mm. about her mm. out there. So the Smashers Mail, I'm pretty sure you can find copies of, of, of this is still in existence. It's but, too good. Too good to be real. As I say, it was shortly lived um, because she found out about his bars and that severed the connection. She discontinued the Smashers Mail pretty quickly. She smashed it. But you know what? As great as she is, that smashing career is a fairly <laughs> short-lived one. Um, the smashing career. <laughs> smashing. It, so many different ways that we say and mean the word smash, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Really, when you smashing. think about it. Smashing. Smashing. Getting smashed. You smashed it. What she also did at this point as well, so remember I said she had all those fans mm. that came on board to help her out? Yeah. So they set up uh, what they called the Home Defenders Army. Basically, just a bunch of people who also wanted to smash shit up. I've, yeah, I feel like a lot of these people joined her cause Less because they loved teetotaling and more because they loved smashing. Yeah, and understandably, mm. really. Um, and the Home Defenders Army, when they would go around smashing places up, uh, Carrie called them hatchetations. Hatchetations! She was like, we're going to have a hatchetation. Oh my God, we're going to have a hatchetation. So... Oh my God. I do and don't endorse hatchetations at the same time. I mean, I just, I feel like I want to orchestrate something, like a purpose-built thing, so that we can have a hatchetation. I don't want to destroy any real property. That would be, <laughs> that would be very mean. disrespectful. It would be a very awful thing to do. But if we could build something, purpose-made, um, we can have ourselves a hatchetation. I think we should do that. And then we'll have a drink after to celebrate. <laughs> just in the spirit of Carrie. Because she'd <laughs> love it if we did that. So they 
obviously, as you can imagine, on these hatch stations, they, they broke shit up, um, including a place called the Senate, which was a bar that was frequented by the Senators? local state legislators, <laughs> as you can imagine. Oh, my God. And uh, oh they, my God. they also smashed up a barn that was filled with saloon fixtures. So it was just the fixtures? It wasn't actually a saloon? No, but they also found a warehouse filled with beer that they also smashed up. Oh, yeah, fair enough. So there you go. Actually, yeah. you know what? I'm going to be honest. It would probably be a lot of fun to just smash a whole bunch of bottles. Yeah. You'd, you'd probably get some glass in your thumb. Imagine how satisfying the sound of all of that tinkling glass would be. I think that's probably part of the draw. But that was, so the day that they smashed up the barn um, and the warehouse filled with beer, that was the day she was uh, jailed and released four times. <laughs> but as I said, it was a, a fairly short-lived career of hatchetations. But within a month, she and her followers had attacked more than 100 saloons in over 50 towns. Whoa. So they'd done some pretty good work. That's a big following she must have had. Yeah. And she did actually, their actions did actually force legislators to strengthen the laws and to start to shut places down. Basically just to appease her and make wow. her stop. So her work actually did have some effect in the end. Yeah. Not entirely get rid of the menace of alcohol, but to have some effect on shutting places down. So after this kind of short-lived rampage, really, mm. she was not she was she was ready to sort of retire the hatchet for a bit, but she was not ready to finish her work fighting against no. alcohol you know she had a lot more to do so of course she had a she had her souvenir hatchets that was good she was selling them to make a buck that was, that was handy <laughs> she also went on to the lecture touring oh my god do you know what i was just gonna say let me guess she went on the like 1900 equivalent of like good morning america to spruik her message of uh yeah hatchetations mm. and temperance that's what she did she <laughs> But she actually kind of ended up in vaudeville. Like, what? She became, it's a bit sad, really. She actually became quite a figure of ridicule. I'm not, hey, colour me shocked. <laughs> really? A woman who went around, the the ultimate fun police who called herself a smasher and ended up as a, a an object of ridicule, you don't say. I know, it's a shock. So, I mean, quite often she was she was signed on to give lectures, really, so people could just come and laugh at her. Aww. But also, um, at about this time, uh, remember David? Remember old husband David? David Nation? Yeah. Yeah, okay, you weren't responding to me, so I didn't know if you had remembered David Nation. Not. David Nation. Well, he actually divorced her for desertion. Whoa! Because she'd fucked off and been on a smashing rampage for, for so, so long. long. I so, thought that she left him just because he was a dud. No, I think she just left him to go on a smashing rampage. And then yeah. he was like, well, if you're not coming back, I'm going to divorce you. <laughs> if you're too busy doing that, just fuck it. So he did. So they actually did end up divorcing. And uh, it was around about this time as well that she started writing her autobiography. So um, she went on to lecture. She traveled, basically traveled around lecturing. She even went to England Whoa. to lecture. Wow. She did a brief little tour. You know tour. what? I... I feel like the English would be far less receptive to her message of 
teetotaling than the Americans. Funny, again, you should say that. <laughs> uh, because the reason she gave up on that tour and went back to America is because at one particular lecture she had an egg thrown at her. Oh, I only an egg. Only I an was egg. expecting her to be having pints thrown yeah. at her. Like well, they are the English, her head. you know. <laughs> an egg. An egg. An egg. They they like a drink. So like she us, returned back to America mm. with her tail between her legs after her failed touring. But she continued on her campaigning trail. She even went to the White House to seek uh, to seek a audience with the then President uh, Roosevelt. Uh, but she was denied an audience. Wow. Funny enough. But she then went on to Oklahoma to start campaigning for Oklahoma to become a dry state. Um, And she also started up another newspaper, this time called, oh, guess what it was called? Smashing. No. The Smashers Union. No, just keep, I just want you to keep guessing. The teetotaling smashers. No. What's it called? The Hatchet. The Hatchet! Of course it was called The Hatchet! What else would it be called? There was actually even a silent film made about her as well that I watched online, and now I can't remember what it was called. Oh, my God. So that exists. You can find that online. There's also a little story about how in her crusading, um, she almost swallowed her own false teeth when she was thrown out of a bar in Colorado, which I think is as one almost swallows. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That also, like, highlights that the whole, that kind of just, the whole little old lady aspect of it. Like, you know that? Like, she's such an old lady that she's got false teeth. Do you know that Monty Python sketch where all the old ladies are going around smashing things? Yes, maybe. Yeah, it exists. It's real. I'm not making it up. I know my Monty Python. I don't believe you're making it up. I never, <laughs> I never accused you of making it up. Anyway, she's like them. They probably took their inspiration. They probably did. She's not like them. I find, think she, you find they're like they're her. like her. Yeah. But eventually, after after all of this, uh, she settled in Arkansas. <laughs> she settled. In, <laughs> she settled in Arkansas, and uh, she bought herself a home called Hatchet Hall. No, you can't just name everything Hatchet. You can if you carry a nation. And now, look, she, as I said before, she was quite an other than the smashing. She was quite a caring, altruistic kind of person. She wanted to to do good for the world. Mm -hmm. And she did actually set up what was basically an early women's shelter. Oh, wow. That's great. So she set up a home for women to come with their children to escape their drunk and abusive... Like she did. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Good for you. So she did do some really good work. And she was also against... She was... She was against corsets. She thought women oh, shouldn't have to wear corsets because she one. she thought they were bad for women's health. Mm, she was right yes. about that. She also was against smoking because she believed that um, smoking harmed other people. So she <gasps> she's believed, like a hundred years ahead of the game. There. I know. So she was she'd figured out passive smoking was a thing. Yeah, before everybody else had figured out passive smoking was a thing. So she actually did have a few um, causes that were really, other than the smashing, you know, her, her causes were kind of genuine causes. Yeah. You know, genuinely trying yeah. to make the world better. Look, I think you could tell that she's coming, she's coming from an altruistic 
perspective. She, she does is. want to do good in the world. She's coming from a place of goodness. My idea of goodness and her idea of goodness may differ. I think it's bad to smash public property and and private property. And I I like an odd drink or two, but carry on, carry on. <laughs> So all up in her time, she was arrested 30 times or so, <laughs> and she often paid her jail fines from the lecture fees and from uh, the like, money she made from selling her, her souvenir, souvenir hatchets. hatchets. Anyone has one of those souvenir hatchets? Can you I'm, imagine? I'm sure they're very expensive. Oh. They'd be like hen's teeth. But eventually, at one of these public lectures, while speaking, she collapsed. Her last, her final public statement as she collapsed, was, I have done what I could. Ooh. And she was taken back to Evergreen Hospital in Kansas, and she basically was ill there for about five months until she finally passed away on June 9th in 1911. Aww. So she had had um, a very full and very fascinating life. Yeah. And, of course, she wanted to see Prohibition come to fruition across and America. And she just missed it. And she just missed she it. She just missed it by the skin of her teeth. She sure did. Oh, she would have been so happy. I know, she would have. And Prohibition, actually Prohibition didn't last really all that long in the States when it came into place. It ended in the most of the United States in about 1933. Mm. But in Kansas, interestingly, it hung on till... 1948 whoa but even more interesting is that it stayed highly restricted until the late 1980s wow kansas didn't catch up to the rest of them well a lot of the rest of america in terms of its alcoholic laws until the 1980s wow but the u.s has a lot of dry counties and various different kind of rules on drinking and like lockout times and stuff don't they they're not a they're not a drinking country like Australia is. <laughs> well, Carrie would have been very happy yeah, <laughs> to know that. So, look, a really interesting woman, one that I'd wanted to do for a little yeah. while, but of course I hadn't had the time and Lauren had to do everyone for like <laughs> quite a few weeks in a row there. But, you know, back in the game. Good job. Good times. That was a really fascinating one. That was so much lighter than the last few and insane and amazing. And look, don't condone the public smash, the smashing of anything. Really don't smash anything except smashing your an effort, <laughs> you know? Jeez, Lauren, where were you going with that? Well... Smash an you effort. Smashed the, you smashed, smashed this episode, it. Alicia. Yeah. But that's Look, the only thing that you should smash. Because it's smashing. Smash your work. Smashing. It's not It's not Bible. It's not. It's not Bible, people. It's not. No. That was great. Thank you. And I think that she is an example of a woman who just bloody knew her own mind. She did. I hope I didn't skip anything. Like, I, there's a lot of stuff about her. There was plenty in there. And I'm sure that this is a, t- this is a mere taste, there, as all episodes is. are. We've only got so much we can get through oh, in the hour. Oh, I did forget something oh, that I wanted to talk about. What? Oh, I just wanted to talk about her daughter, but... Oh, what happened to her daughter? Her, her daughter actually had, like, some abscess in her mouth and half her cheek fell off. <gasps> 
And oh it my like, God. And like exposed the teeth in her head. What? I know. What? I know. What? And then like that, a zombie. Yeah, but eventually it all it healed over, but left like a little hole in the side of her cheek. Yeah. You know what, people? Just read her autobiography and you'll get that story. Wow. Yeah. But also, her mother... Look, her parents lived to a ripe old age. Yeah. But her mother ended up in an insane insane asylum. That was not unusual of the time. No. But she ended up there because she thought she was Queen Victoria. What? Yeah. <laughs> no. She was convinced she was Queen Victoria. That... Oh, look. I don't want to... I don't want to jump to conclusions here. I don't want to jump to conclusions here. But just do it. But I feel like maybe, maybe it's worth investigating the family history of mental illness. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. But actually, there was also some um, conflicting stories about that. And there was some suggestion that maybe it was actually just, she had a brother, Charles, and it might just have been the fact that Charles wanted some money. And uh, put their mother in an asylum. That, do you know what basically that happened? That happened. So, you know, other things about Carrie Nation <laughs> that I didn't get time to do. I think there are other things as well that I've forgotten to mention. But it's okay because you can go out and do more reading and you can yeah. learn all the other interesting things. So, thank you for that. Good no job. No worries. Quite happy to. Well... I think that's us for this week. I think and it is. We'll be back in a fortnight. And uh, I think I've got another outrageous woman for us next fortnight. I want to go back to some of our sword-wielding women. Oh, yes, please. Um, so we're going to be going going down there. Yeah. I next like time. It. Next time. Just wielding women at the moment. That's yeah. our theme for the current times. Wielding women. I think at the moment I need to feel a little bit of empowerment. Yeah? Yeah. I need, in my life, a strong symbolic woman who's going to wield that sword for me so that I can wield the symbolic sword in my own life. Okay, great. Deep words from me tonight. Beautiful. I look forward to it. (laughs) Well, in the meantime, um, of course, you can catch up on all our previous episodes. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review if you like what you heard. And, of course, tell your friends. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Simply at Deviant Women. If you really love the podcast, you can jump onto Patreon. We've got merchandise that you can get, and we also have some bonus content. Which there's going to be some new bonus content coming out very, very soon. soon. Very, very soon. And of course, if you'd like to just buy some merchandise, you can find our shop on Etsy. So we will see you back here in a fortnight's time. Thanks for joining us. In the always. meantime, enjoy your hatchetations. Yes. Private hatchetations. <laughs> Private hatchetations. And we'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye.